Jesus, Lord, once again, Lord, as we come into your presence, Lord, we just want to thank you for meeting with us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for encouraging us, for lifting us up, for touching us, God, today, God, with your presence, God. Lord, I pray today that as we hear your word, God, I pray that you would open up our ears, God, our hearts, Lord, to receive your, your word, God, that whatever situations we may be going through today, oh God, that at the end of the day, Jesus, the answer is always you, God. It's always Jesus. And Lord, I just want to thank you, God, that I have had the privilege of knowing you, God. And once again, Jesus, speak to us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And church, why don't, one more time, if Jesus has been your answer, why don't you lift up a hand clap of praise to him. Amen. Amen. So, just to give us a quick, you know, recap of this series that we have been going through, uh, this series of Surprise the World. Okay, I, I, I don't know, in these two weeks, whether you have surprised someone in your life. Okay, so, at the start of this series, you know, Pastor was talking to us about how that, yes, some of us may be called to be gifted evangelists. You know, wow, when it comes to sharing the word, introducing Jesus, wow, you're very skillful at it. Okay? But I think sometimes when you feel like, hey, but that's not me, eh? I, I don't know how to do it. And that's okay. Thankfully, you know, when I heard this series, I felt so liberated. Okay? Um, whether you believe it or not, uh, I'm someone that I'm not very, very good at public speaking or talking to strangers. You know, this week we were uh, in our care group. We were in this series about uh, friendships, you know. And one of the questions we asked our group is, how easily do you make friends? And for some, it's like, oh, I love to make friends. I love to talk to strangers. I'm not scared. But for some of us, like, for like me, okay, I'm very intimidated to, he asked me, go out and talk to a stranger. Oh, very very hard, you know. In fact, I was sharing with my group that for me to kind of like warm up to someone, it takes me many years. So for example, like I've been, uh, I just finished my reservist a few weeks ago. And last time, I always get anxiety attack before I go to camp. Because most of my life, I'm in my comfort zone. I work in the church. I see the church people at almost like many times a week. Or at home, now COVID also, right? I work from home. So the, the interactions I have with, us, with people is very little. So in the past, well, every time before reservists, you can ask my mom or my wife, it's like they will just hear the same whining from me. How oh, I need to go for reservists. How And it's so like, I don't know how they bear with me, but because I'm so anxious, because I don't know how I would deal you know, meeting people that I don't meet, because I always think about, oh, what would they think about me? Wow, wow, do you think I'm weird? All this... I don't know, all these, like what Brad said, these noises that come in my head. And I'm just so thankful that after seven years of reservist, finally this year I felt like, hey, I don't have to be scared. In fact, I didn't even feel anxious or nervous at all. Why? Because I warm up to my friends and they know me. You know, in the past, they were like, you know, ask me questions and then I'm very scared to answer because I also very paisay, you know, how I sound. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But my point is this, you know, all of us, we may not be called to be gifted evangelists, but we are all able and called to have questionable lives. Okay, of course, when we know that questionable doesn't mean it's like the bad kind of questionable, like people like questionable, hey, this guy 
really Christian or not. Okay, I don't mean it that way, but questionable in a good way. Amen. And last week, we heard about the power of a meal. Okay, the power of being at the table. Okay, just a wave of hands or a show of hands. How many of you had that meal with someone this past week? Awesome. And I hope that that was a stepping stone, a seed that is planted. Sometimes you may think that, huh, but I meet them, then not, never talk about God. It's okay. It starts one meal at a time. And we continue, I continue to encourage you, continue having those meals, whether it's with your loved ones, with your friends. Okay? But there's going to come a point in time because your life is so questionable that in a situation where you are called upon, maybe next week, this week, or maybe a few weeks down the road, and you're having that meal with a friend, and suddenly your friend asks you a question about your life. You say, hey, Eddie, oh, how come you, 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 you live your life like that? How come you choose to be, have such a positive outlook of life? You're not stressed, man. Wow, you look at the whole world situation. And at that moment, we have to give an answer. But sometimes we get stuck. Like, uh, uh, I don't know what should I say because we've got so many thoughts that come through our mind. And at that point, it doesn't feel good. And sometimes because of that, we get discouraged and we're like, oh yeah, you know what? I really not cut out for this, man. Maybe I should invite uh pastor or maybe I invite all my leader come and in that meal so that they can give the answer. But we don't have to continue that way. We all can give an answer. Amen. See, so I don't think any one of us likes to be unprepared when someone asks you a question. Similarly, I, I, I don't like to be unprepared when I have to preach. You know, the worst thing is if suddenly I find out last minute on Saturday, pastor says, hey, Charles, I need you to take over. I'm like, oh God. Why? Because I already, you know, already, right? they asked me to, oh, last minute, wow. And we don't want to wait till last minute. The Bible says what? We've got to be always ready to give an answer. We read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, all of us seated here, the reason why you are here, I believe, in the first place is not because you've got nothing better to do on a Sunday. But at some point in your life, Jesus became your answer. And because of that experience you have with Jesus, you have an answer for your hope. Amen? And so, the reason for our hope that you and I have the answer is always Jesus. Um, Brother Sam was actually telling me a joke, you know, prior to today's message. You know, uh, those PI students know this. Every time they got the test coming up, right, they say, never mind, you don't know the answer, right? Just put Jesus. <laughs> you hit and make sure 50% will get correct one, you know? Anything, just put Jesus or God or uh, the Lord, okay? Just put Jesus, you sure get correct. And as funny as it is, is, there is some truth to that. Amen? But do you know what it means then that Jesus is the answer? 
When someone asks you, hey, Brother Kel, how you got so much hope and peace in the situation you're in? Uh, Jesus, law. What does it mean then when Jesus is our answer? Let me tell you what it does not mean. Okay? And sometimes I'm guilty of giving these answers. When someone asks me a question, I'm like, oh, because I was water baptized and born again. Law. And people are like, huh? What are you talking about? Or it doesn't mean that when people ask me a question, hey, why are you you're so happy? Oh, because I go to church and give tithes and offering. Law. It also doesn't mean, why are you so uh, different? Oh, because I stopped living a sinful life. See, this uh, does not mean that the answer is Jesus, okay? So we're going to be looking today, and I hope there's going to be some practical points that will be able to help you. Because at the end of the day, when we listen to all these messages, it's not, the point is not, oh, okay, another message about evangelism, about making disciples, okay? Once again, it's nothing like, wow, like brand new. We've been doing it, guys. Whether you know it consciously or subconsciously. But I hope today will help us have a, a more, uh, feel more liberated. That we realise, hey, this is actually not that hard. Okay? And we're going to see why it's so simple. Okay? Today's message is, is short. Okay? Praise God. Okay? Because it's supposed to be simple. Not supposed to be rocket science. So the answers I gave earlier on. These answers are not wrong in itself. That's, it's correct, right? You know? But it should ultimately lead to Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, whatever answer you give, lah, you just need to point that person to Jesus as your answer. For example, you know, if you say that, I stopped being addicted to cigarettes because of Jesus. I started coming to church because I experienced Jesus. I experienced him healing my loved one. I experienced him healing me. Oh, I decided to be water baptized because Jesus gave me a new hope in life, in the midst of my struggle, in the midst of my depression. And the person will realize, oh, wow. That is why you, you decided to make those choices in your life. It's because of Jesus. So there are three things we're going to look and explore in the, in the area of Jesus being our answer. In the, in the time when you're going to meet someone this week or in the weeks to come at the table, they're going to ask you about your life. Okay? And when they begin to ask you, hey, why? The first thing is, we've got to remember is, don't preach the gospel. We're like, huh? What do you mean? Charles, you ask me, don't preach the gospel? Didn't Jesus say in the Bible, you've got to preach the word, the gospel? Yes, yes, yes. Don't preach the gospel, but instead share with them about Jesus. See, the church has oftentimes told Christians that we need to preach the gospel. When they get an opportunity to do it. Every time I meet my friend, I get so stressed up. Why? Because I'm so caught up with this thought of, oh, I've got to preach the gospel. I've got to tell them about, you got born again, you got to be water baptized, feel the Holy Ghost. And I get so bogged up with it that I sometimes miss it, miss the whole point. You know? But what do we do? Okay? As, I, as it was mentioned a few weeks ago, that it can be intimidating. If I ask you to preach the gospel, wow. Some of us say, wow, Besai, I don't know how to... I do it, in fact, I don't even know what's the gospel, honestly. Okay, I'm just being honest. Some of us may feel like, I, I don't know what the gospel is, okay? There was one time someone was asked, what is the gospel? You know, we know the, the standard answer, right? Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, what Jesus did. 
What's the answer? Uh, the lion and the lamb. I'm like, huh? If, uh, if the person knows what I'm talking about, it's a joke, lah, you know. Okay? So then what does it exactly mean to preach the gospel? I'm not saying you stop preaching the gospel. But let's really see what, even through scripture, even Paul, Apostle Paul, he preached the gospel, but he didn't go to the people and say, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name. Okay? Let's see how he did it. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4, here Paul is explaining, describing what the gospel is. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again in the third day according to the Scriptures. So according to this passage, the Gospel is simply the story of Jesus. Whatever He did you know, on earth, His messianic credentials, His physical descent you know, from the bloodline of King David, you know, uh, his validation by the Spirit of God, his resurrection from the dead. Okay. In fact, every time Paul explains his use of the term gospel, he does so by what? Not going through some Bible study uh, theory like, oh, first step this, second step this, third step this. Yes, that's important. But before he goes to all of that, he always starts off with a story. I mean, how many of you like to listen to stories? How many of you like to watch movies or your TV series? I know some of you are very sad, you know. Uh, Falcon, Winter Soldier, finally last episode out, no more already, waiting for the next series to launch in Disney+. Plus. Okay, we love stories. That's why we are. That's why the Hollywood is so successful because people constantly want to watch movies, they constantly want to see drama, constantly want to have stories in their life they're listening to, you know. For those I know, okay, uh, Vincenzo, okay, he's an up-and-coming, a lot of people watching that series. But do you know what's the most exciting story? It's not all this drama, okay, I'm guilty of watching those shows, okay. But the most amazing story we'll ever hear is really the story of Jesus. In 2 Timothy verse 2 to 8, it says this, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. So here Paul is explaining, whenever he preaches the gospel, he's actually telling people and sharing with people about this Jesus Christ. So now you can see that when I say don't preach the gospel, just tell them about Jesus. See, telling people about Jesus really is telling about the gospel. We don't have to make it so complicated. It's so simple. So not only must we be familiar with the stories of the gospels, you know, in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you know. In fact, uh, I think many of you also have heard about the series called The Chosen. Great series about the life of Jesus, what he did on earth. We've got to be familiar with those stories. We also need to know beyond just the stories of the Bible, because sometimes people, uh, you tell them Bible story, they may switch off. Uh, okay? um, we always hear this phrase that before people want to care about how much you know, they want to know how much you care. They, they want to see your life story first. You know, and, and in fact, this is very biblical because in the epistles, Paul said that, he made a statement that you, uh, 
that we, as disciples of Christ, that do you know that we are actually the living epistles? Or you are basically the living Bible. Why? Because when you go up on the table, it's not very natural when you're having a meal, you suddenly pull out the Bible and you start talking to your friends. I mean, eventually you get there, that's great when they come into a Bible study. But the first word or the first Jesus they will ever experience, right, is you. Eh? It's your life story. In fact, some of us are here because of that. Someone in your life was that living epistle, was that walking Bible. Not that they preach, the, like they memorize and, you know, they repeat the scripture to you, but because their life, come, the word come alive in them. And so not only must we be familiar with the stories of the Gospels, but we also need to share how these stories are seen in our lives. These stories, for us, we can appreciate it because it's like 2,000 years ago, but for someone that doesn't know God, they may have a hard time understanding that. They want to see something relevant, something they can relate to. So my question for us today is, do you have a story of a personal encounter with Jesus? How many here have a personal encounter? Please wave your hands. How many of you have a personal encounter? Right, you have a story to tell. See, not all things can be taught. Okay, as much I know many times when we think about bringing someone to church, the first thing across my mind, oh, get them sign up UTB. And that is great, okay? I'm not saying we don't want that. But really, some things cannot be taught on. Some things are caught through your experience. For example, right now when, I'm, when my baby wants to eat, how to teach Micah how to eat? Micah, take up, open your mouth. Okay, the spoon come already. You got to op uh, reach in, step two, then you close, then you chew, you know, now got a few teeth. He cannot understand any of that. How he learn it? Experience. In fact, he loves it whenever he sees people eating. I always try to see him, right? I'm like, wow, so nice. Then he will, his eyes will shine and he will get so excited. And he wants to do the same thing. See, some things cannot teach one. You just got to be caught through your experience. In fact, we know that many times the children, they don't, they don't follow what you teach. They follow your example, how you live out your life. So today's message is so simple, okay? If you have the question, okay, great. I'm so, I know that I need to surprise the world. I know I need to live a questionable life and then have a meal with my friends. And then when they ask me the question, then how? Is there, Charles, is there like some, something you can give me to get ready to be prepared to, to study that I can do this? And someone will say, hey, but I'm not educated. I cannot. No, it's for everyone. Why? It's because it's simply two things you need to do in order to share Jesus, Okay. You just need to firstly taste and secondly share. Okay? Taste and share. Every one of us do it at least three times a day. So we're going to look at a story in the Gospels of a man whose life was questionable. Okay, we're going to read in John chapter 9, verse 1 to 27. Okay? Some of you are familiar with this story. So now Jesus passed by and he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Hey, Rabbi, this guy uh, that is blind, is it because he or his parents sinned, that's why he's born blind? 
And Jesus answered to the disciples, hmm, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him, that through this blind man, God will be glorified. And that's many times how our lives are supposed to be like, that through our lives, through our struggle, through whatever we are going through, that Jesus will be glorified. And he goes on to say, you know, he, he went to this blind man and he took some dirt and mud from the ground, he spit in it. And Jesus made some clay with his saliva and then he anointed the eyes of the blind man with that clay. And he told the blind man, okay, go to the wash in the pool of Siloam, which translated sand. So he went and washed and guess what? After he washed, he said, whoa, he started to be able to see. And then suddenly, behold, this blind man that was blind since birth, his whole kampong suddenly said, hey, how come you can start seeing now? Isn't he the one that was always sitting by the, the street and begging because he couldn't do anything? And some said, this is he, yes, it's him. And that blind man that was once blind said, yes, I am that man. And then he answered to them, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go wash in the pool. I went and now I have received sight. And then all these people, like, wow, they cannot believe it eh. They brought this man to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders at that time. You know, and at that time, you know, the religious leaders, the Pharisees were the, the elites, okay? They, were, they know the, the scripture inside out, okay? They wanted to bring this man to the Pharisees to kind of figure out what's up with this situation. And at that time, um, one of the laws that they lived by was, on Sabbath, you cannot do anything. But Jesus healed this blind man on the Sabbath. So they were offended. Wow, how can this happen? You break the law. So they were upset. Okay? And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. And others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Oh, they couldn't settle. They had so many questions, they, they couldn't settle. And so they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him in verse 18 that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents. It's very funny, right, people? Sometimes when you tell them about your experience, then they try to logicalize you out of your own experience. That, eh, bokoling lah. Cannot be. It's God one lah. It should be by chance or luck, right? But not so, don't make it sound so convincingly. And then they go and fact-check. They say, okay, go fact-check. Go and check all the, the past records. And so they got a hold of the parents. Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, you know what, we know that this is our son and he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Go ask him yourself. He will speak for himself. And I really love the response of the parents because I think something we can glean from this is, okay, many of us are in this for such a long time. We can give an answer for ourselves. 
You know, I want to encourage everyone here in this place, whether how mature you may be or how young you may be, don't, don't be afraid when people ask you the, the reason for your hope. You don't have to say, you know, Eunice, if someone asks you about your hope, you don't have to say, uh, uh, you want to talk to my, I introduce you to my care group leader, they will tell you. Or even Ezra, you go to school, you may feel like, ah, secondary school only. Eh? People will ask you about your faith. You don't have to say, uh, you ask Brother Sam, I introduce you to Brother Sam. You can give an answer. You can speak for yourself. And I jump on to the next few verses. In verse 24. And so they again they called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. Talking about, they are trying to accuse Jesus as a sinner. And the blind man said, the, the, one, the blind man who was once blind, he answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, you know what? I do not know. And I don't care. Why? One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. I love this blind man's answer. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And that is many of times the story of our lives. People may ask you all these things. You say, one thing I know, I once struggled with cancer, but now I'm healed. One thing I know, I once battled depression, but now I am set free. Amen. I am living in peace, in joy. One thing I know, though I once was jobless, though I once was living, struggling, meal after meal, but now Jesus has provided for me and my home. One thing I know, I was once a sinner, but Jesus gave me salvation. Amen. Church, why don't for that moment, if you have that experience, that one thing that you know, why don't we just worship the Lord one more time? Jesus, one thing I know, God, that once I was blind, but now I see. One thing I know, Lord, that once I was sick, but now I am healed. One thing I know, Jesus, once I was depressed, but now I am set free, God. Lord, you are good, Lord. You are so good. In Jesus' name. You see, this blind man didn't say to the Pharisee, Hey, come, sit down and have a teach you a Bible study. <laughs> or let me tell you, give you a, a doctrine lesson on who Jesus is. Not that that's not important. But he just simply shared his experience that he had with Jesus Christ. For him, Jesus was the solution. For him, Jesus was the answer. And that is as simple as it needs to be. So how then can I do that? I mentioned earlier, taste and share, right? So, for instance, some things like smell and taste, sometimes quite hard to describe. Like when someone asks you, hey, uh, hey Brian, what's one of your favourite hawker dish? Mee pok ta. Then he asks you compare. Hey, bro, can you compare not the mee pok from ABC and then the mee pok from uh, BMC? Can you describe to me the difference? Well, sometimes really, I mean, if you are very connoisseur, you can, you can describe every difference. But sometimes, most of the time, we're like, huh? Uh, this one nicer, lor. I don't know how to tell you. You just go and try, ah. right? And same thing with 
with Jesus. Sometimes it's very hard to describe to you. You know, sometimes I may fail because my word's not so eloquent, right? I don't know, I'll tell you, just try it for yourself. We read in Psalms chapter 34, verse 8, um, awesome scripture. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. So the first thing we all need to do is taste. And all of us can do that. All of us can taste. See, once again, some things were never meant to be described or taught, but just to be tasted. I can't teach you how amazing that plate of chicken rice is. I can teach you all day long, but you will never know what it tastes like until you just taste it. So, when we look at the word taste, okay, the Hebrew verb translated here as taste means literally to sense the flavour of food. Okay, and all of us love it. All of us are foodies. You know, last week, the whole sermon was almost about eating. Right? Wow, so good. Okay? Today, we're also going to be talking about food. Okay, it appears, for example, in the discussion of manna in the wilderness when the, Jew, when the children of Israel were out. In Exodus 16, verse 31, they described it, that it was white like coriander seed and it tasted like honey wafers. Do you all know how that tastes like? Uh, maybe though for chefs here, you know what that, but I don't know how that tastes like. Okay? And so in Psalms 34 verse 8, it is used metaphorically. We don't really taste God. I mean, there's nothing to eat, okay, of God. But of course, we can experience Him and discover His goodness. That's what it means to taste God. As similarly, we might sample a new food that proves to be delicious. Okay, taste and see simply is to try and experience. So I got a picture up here. If you, if you all know what this is, floss bun, from where? A bread top. All right. Okay. So in an article that was written in 2014 about this floss bun, okay, it says, uh, and I'm just going to update the, the year. So in 2021, it's actually been 21 years since this since this floss bun was introduced to us in Singapore. Okay, and in an article in 2014, it was mentioned that Bread Top had sold more than 1 million of it. This is 2014. So in now, probably the numbers have increased even more. And not just in Singapore, because I'm sure you will realise around the world also got Bread Top. They also sell the floss bun. Okay? And typically, these floss buns right, are made in batches. Why? So you can get them fresh out of the oven. Especially when I love it, when I go and buy the floss bun, then it's not the one that sit out for very long, then a bit cold, but the one a bit hot one, you bite. Wow. Sometimes I have the bad habit when I open up the thing, I like to choose which one. I'm the one that always go to one inside one. Okay? Quite irritating now, okay? And so this process of this begins at 11 a.m. and it takes about three to four hours to complete. And sometimes when you hang, hang, you walk by, Bread talk, then wow, the new batch come out, wow, steady, I go in already. Then you say, I don't want this one, I want that one inside, the come out new one. So as much as I can talk about this, giving you facts about this floss bun, you know, how many has been sold. I can tell you all day long how good this is, but until you've tasted it, you may not know what it tastes like. 
How many of you haven't taste, eaten this before? Oh, okay. Chloe has not eaten this before. So instead of just reading about this article, let me tell you an even better way. Get the floss bun. Alright? I was contemplating giving someone, but I scared later they tell me not nice, then a bit fail, okay? So I will do the... So instead of just reading this article that was written a few years ago, the best way to experience this is to taste it. Mm. Wow. Nice, I haven't had my breakfast. Mm. Mm, then you slowly take time to savour it. Mm, ASMR. Once again, I don't know how to describe it. I can tell you it's savoury. The thing inside a bit sweet. I don't know what ingredients. So I'm not going to do a good job at describing it. But all I can tell you is it tastes good. Especially when you're hungry. So Chloe, I hope after this you go down and buy one from Bread Talk to try. So you see, when you actually taste it, then you begin to realise how good it actually tastes. Better than reading any review, watching any video. Many of us like to, okay, I don't know many of uh, I like to watch food reviewers on YouTube. Uh, how many of you watch? Uh, Mukbang, uh, uh, Food King, uh, right? Then from there, you go and see, wow, this one good. I want to go to that hawker, maybe very far away to try that Hokkien Mee. It's one thing to watch the video. Yes, I will salivate. I will, wow, this is so good. We'll share with our friends. But until you really actually go down there, stand in line on that super long queue, and finally get that plate of Hokkien Mee and finally go up close and put it into your mouth, chew into it, and then you will realise your eyes will be open and you will see how good it really is. For example, we are very thankful the Plaza Singh Food Court opened. There's this uh, Mee Pok store at the corner. I can't remember the name of it. Is it the grandma one? Uh? Okay. For those who like to eat mee pork or mee kia, and like to eat te kwa pork liver, okay, those who don't like, I know Kiran don't like, so you can, don't bother trying it. Okay? But those who like to eat te kwa, I tell you, really good. They put it in the soup, uh, you bite into it, chewy one, and like juicy, don't have the fun fun thing. But it's one thing for me to tell you how good it is. But truth is, I don't do justice until you go and try it. Maybe later. Okay? So you see, the same thing with food, as simple as taste and see. The invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good reminds us that faith in God is not simply just a matter of ideas. Though, yes, our, our doctrine is important, but we are blessed to experience God in so many different ways whether it's you sitting here in worship, when you experienced Him just now, it was, part, it was a way of tasting of His goodness, of His presence. Or when we fellowship with Him in our prayer time, with just you and Him, you taste of His goodness. 
Or when we, when the Spirit of God leads you to reach out and serve others in His name, it's also a way where you can taste of His goodness. When you see that the life you touch and them, their lives being changed, sometimes it's not just about you getting that touch, but when God flows through you to touch someone, when you meet up with a friend over that meal and they tell you, oh, I'm struggling, man. I feel like giving up. And you just simply tell them, hey, why don't you just talk to Jesus or try talking to God? Oh, what does that mean? Really, does it work? And when they do that, suddenly, they taste the goodness of God. Or when you are filled with His Spirit, you know, some of us may remember the time when God first filled us with His Holy Ghost. That was the first time you tasted of His goodness. You know, a really amazing story that I want to share is that yesterday, you know, I'm thankful for the kids' mean They had a kids' service yesterday at HQ and two kids received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why don't we give God praise for that? <laughs> Lauren and uh, Ezra, uh, I think Brother Peter's uh, son, they received the Holy Ghost. Amen. They experienced, those kids tasted the goodness of God. And so I want to encourage those who maybe are thinking, hey, should I bring my kid to that service? I encourage you to bring your children there because you can tell them all you want about how good Jesus is but until they go up close and taste Him and receive His Spirit. That will change their lives forever. You know, when I, when I recall when I was a child, you know, I've been in TJ for 23 years, I don't remember what my teacher teacher teach me in Sunday school. I really, I don't remember. There are only two inst- a few instances I remember about my teacher experience. First one is, I remember playing a game that I have to squeeze the orange into the cup. And then after that, at the time, Pastor and Sister Wei were the, the teacher, right? So the goal is boy versus girl. See who faster squeezed the orange into the cup, become a full cup of glass juice, and then we pass it on. So I had, we had to pass to Pastor as the guy team. And whoever finished first, win. That was one I remember. Okay? But another time I remembered was in Chinatown Point as a child. What I remembered was it was worship. It was a slow song. It was, I, I love those slow songs because I feel at those moments I cry. And what does it mean? At the time, I don't know got all this, this theology about it, right? I just know my experience. It just so, felt so good. I felt the presence of God touching me. You know, my fears, I was a kid that was always very fearful. But in that time when I was just opening up my heart to this Jesus, I felt so safe, I felt so loved. And that experience, that taste, it remains with me until today, many, many years later. And those things no one can take away from you. You see, the more we experience God, the more we will know His goodness and the more we will rejoice in Him. And the more you experience Him, the easier it is for you to share about Him. In John chapter 6, verse 35 to 51, and Jesus said to them, you know what Jesus said to them? I am the bread of life. Of course, got no pork floss, okay? I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. 
You see, Jesus even used the example of food to describe it because how else to describe to people? It's something we're all so familiar with. Food, bread. He was telling them, taste of me, just like how you will eat your bread, right? And he goes on to say in verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I give shall be, shall, I shall give is my flesh and which I shall give for the life of the world. What he was telling them is not, come and eat my flesh. Okay? Jesus doesn't teach cannibalism. He was trying to help them understand when you experience me, it's like you eat that frost bun. That experience will always be locked in into your head. So instead, he was giving them a different approach to him. Not like the Jew, not like the Pharisees. Instead, he's saying, don't be like the Pharisees. Why? Because the Pharisees, you know what they had a lot of knowledge about? About the scriptures. I'm not saying this is not important. But the Pharisees just stop at knowing a lot about God. They can basically describe to you about God from their scriptures, like the whole day, you know. They knew the scriptures inside out. But you know what? The sad thing was, I mean, we see in the, the movie, they completely missed Messiah. In fact, they were the ones that conspired to, be, to, to have him crucified. Wow. That is so sad, eh? The people that are supposed to know the most about God, they miss Him completely. And, he, and Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verse 38 to 39. He said this to the, the Pharisees. But you do not have His word abiding in you, because whom He sent, Him you do not believe. He's talking about Himself. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they which testify of me. Jesus is saying to them, you study all day long about your scripture, but end of the day when I'm standing before you, you completely don't realize that whatever you read about is here standing in person. And we don't want to do that as Christians, as, as, as disciples sitting here today. I don't want it to be said of me that I study all this thing, I go through PI, I do all the living logos. Those things are important, but those things lead me to who had to know Him. See, when we read in Psalms 34 about taste and see, the psalmist didn't just say, see that the Lord is good. Maybe that's easier, right? Oh, just see only. Lo. And then we might be able to just comfort ourselves with the fact, oh, that we can see God from a distance. I love the words that the psalmist says. And you have to realise that when the Bible uses words, it's not just they got nothing to do. Or like maybe the psalmist feel that the word taste and see sounds better than see that the Lord is good. Why? Because there is a reason behind that. You see, when we look, at, for example, when we watch those food reviews, Food King video, very easy, right? We just turn on YouTube. We just see only. You see about that uh, Nasi Lemak at Changi Village. Very easy, right? I, I just turn on my YouTube. I don't have to travel down. But to taste it, Quite leche, right? You have to travel all the way down to Changi Village, you know, or take a grab down. It's going to cost you something. And why is that so important that I'm trying to say that today? You see, 
could it be that why some of us do not see God working in our lives? Or you're wondering, hey, where are you, God? I feel so dry, like Brother Eddie said, I feel so dry. God's not there, maybe He's not real. It's because it's been a while since we've tasted His goodness. See, you can only share Jesus when you partake of His goodness. We can watch a video remotely, but to taste it, you cannot do it remotely. You cannot do it through Zoom. You cannot do it at arm's length. Tasting is impossible without coming close to the food in question. See, I show you the picture of the food, the bread, right? You can see it from wherever you're sitting. But there's no way you're going to taste it unless you come right down here to taste this bread. It requires us to pick up something up, open our mouths and put it into our mouths, onto our tongues. You know, sometimes there's a risk involved because you're like, I don't know whether it's going to taste good or not. Ah yeah, never mind, lah, just try only. And then you swallow it and so that it goes deep into the darkness. And then it changes us so that whether we like it or not, we are no longer quite the people we once were. You see, the reason why you are sitting here, the reason why you have an encounter with Jesus, is not because you just see a video online about Jesus or watch a movie about Jesus, but it's because you decided to make an effort to come close, whatever that may be, whether it's going to a UTB, whether it's going to a church service. What, what is that? It is you saying, I want to come close to try I want to come close to taste whatever you have been talking about. That's what tasting means. You see, we can't just stare at a plate of food. Like for me, I cannot just stare at this bread and hope that the act of staring at the bread will fill me up. So maybe some of us, we are so hungry. Eh? We are so devoid of, of this strength you know, spiritually. And sometimes we come to God and we see the food that He has prepared for us and we just stare. Every Sunday we just come here and just stare at the food that Jesus prepared for us. And we expect when we leave and go back into our week, we will be full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, that doesn't make sense, right? You would tell me you are full, right? I just stare at the food and I become full. Or maybe like, you go down to Shake Shack. Wow, oh, you look at the burger, wow, oh, so nice. Then you have the burger right before you. you know, finally, you queue up for it. And then you just settle with, oh, just stare at it. Gao liao. Oh, happy already. Smell. Oh, okay, can. Thanks. Doesn't make sense, right? You will want to immediately bite into it. In fact, it's a torture to just put you there to stare at it. You know, there's this experiment they did with the children. They put the marshmallow there. Tell the children, don't eat it. And you just stare. The kid cannot handle it. One, They want to put it in their mouth. Why? They want to taste it. See, that's what childlike faith is. They just Everything you give the kid, they want to put in their mouth because they want to taste it. They want to experience it. See, once you have tasted something so good, the next natural thing you want to do is to share about it. So just like how you would share about how, you know, your favourite, uh, Brother Shang's favourite uh, hot pot is at a long... What's that road? Telok Blanga there, the Laksa Steamboat. He can tell me all how good it is. I've never tasted it. But until I go there and taste it, then I will understand what he means. It is as simple as that. You have a story to share. A story of what Jesus has done for you and your family. See, but you know what we oftentimes default to doing? 
when someone asks us a question or share with us their struggle, we end up sharing good solutions instead of sharing Jesus. When someone comes up to us, hey bro, I'm struggling financially. Instead of sharing Jesus, say, oh, come, I teach you some budgeting uh, advice, some budgeting techniques. Not that those things are not important, but we sometimes just stop there. Or when someone going through a relational problem in their marriage, they say, oh bro, you need to, you know, uh, here's my advice that you should do relationally. You should spend time with your wife, da 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 And we never talk about Jesus at all. When they're struggling with doubt, we challenge them to just believe, oh, okay, well, think positive, don't worry, be happy, promising that everything will be okay. But we fail if we don't give them Jesus. So what am I trying to encourage us? When someone is talking to you over the table, I'm guilty of this. I still remember during reservists a few weeks ago, I was on a bus ride with my friend. And he was asking me, I was asking, hey, how are you attached or not? He said, oh yeah, I just got attached four months. And he said, that, oh, it's my, actually my first relationship. He asked you, how about you? I said, oh, oh my one, uh, 10 over years. He said, wow, how do you do it? And I missed the opportunity because I started to share good relational advice instead of sharing Jesus. And sometimes we, are, we do that because we paise. Because some, it really is something quite offensive when someone shares their problem, you tell them about Jesus, but like, huh? Who are you? So, so you don't care about me. Ah. You know, we, we, we get bogged down with those noises, those voices, and I, I understand. I've been there. But really, the solution to their problems is not just some good fix-it solution. It really is Jesus. I still remember when my sister was going through a difficult time, you know, in relationship. And I went in that room, I was afraid. Like, so for me, it's like, God, what am I going to say? I don't really have much relational advice. And all I said was this, Zeh, could it be Jesus is trying to get a hold of you? She said, how do I know? I'm not ready. I said, could it be? Now you're ready. And the beautiful part was when she turned back to the Lord, not only she, but you know, her husband, my brother-in-law, they were safe. They experienced what it meant to be filled with the Spirit of God. They tasted the goodness of God. But that all couldn't happen if I just shared good relational advice. See, if it's been some time since you shared about God's goodness in your life, maybe here are some questions that you and I can reflect about. And I'm talking to me, talking to myself. When have you tasted God's goodness? Or maybe if I could ask, when was the last time you tasted Him? Or in what ways do you regularly experience God? Good questions to think about it. When was the last time we tasted Him? I'm going to go through the last two parts real quickly. So the first thing talks about, we don't want to preach the gospel, we want to share to them about Jesus. The next thing we don't want to do is don't focus on their sin, but let God's rule and righteousness, peace and joy saturate your heart. What does this mean? You will notice that none of Paul's gospel sharing focuses on telling people they are sinners. Does he deny their sin? No. No. But he doesn't start, hey, you are a sinner. No. 
if there's anything, all of the scriptures about Paul preaching the gospel, it focuses on Jesus' kingly rule. Jesus as king. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When Jesus rules our heart, what comes? You will live in peace. You will live in joy. You don't have to go up to people and say, hey, well, bro, you are in sin, man. You're like, huh? What are you talking about? That one, people won't question your life. They will stay away from you. <laughs> you don't go up to someone this week and say, hey, you are a sinner. Instead, let Jesus be your king. Sometimes before G- people want to, 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 to accept Jesus as their king, they want to see what does it look like for someone to be ruled by the king. For example, we talk about how that, you know, we are so thankful for our government and how they handle this COVID situation. So people will be boast about our government. People want to see. You say your government was so good. Let me see how good it is. How? They see how they handled the situation. So the same way, before people say, oh, you, are, you tell me how good your Jesus is. Show me how does it look like that your life is led by the king. And how? When they see righteousness, peace, and joy exuding out of your way you live. Does this mean you need to be perfect? No. That's not what he means. Uh, There's a quote by David Bosch. He says, The mission of God's people is to alert others to the universal reign of God. Simply put, people just want to see a real disciple. What it means when God lives in you. Why? Because when people see your joy, your peace, your contentment, people will start to ask you a question. I had the privilege of starting a UTB this Friday, last Friday. So amazing, you know, and I was... Uh, many times you think you go in a Bible study, you're just going to be able to teach someone. But my student shared about his experience and that touched me, that encouraged, that ignited in me a desire to want to taste God again. I asked him, how do you come about wanting to be a Christian? And he said this, that was wow, so amazing. He said, in my previous workplace, oh, there was this colleague of mine she was so great at work, always on time, in the difficult situation, stressful period. Wow, she's like not collapsing or not like bogged down by the stress or worries. Like, wow, very tzai. And he asked her, how do you do it? Like, why must you go the extra mile for the boss when they're so unreasonable? Why must you do this? Just do minimum. Ah. And she said, because of my faith. And that got him interested. What is this you have? Initially, he was like, no, la, cannot be. La. But then he tasted it for himself. And now he's in a Bible study. And you see, that's what it really is all about. People don't need you to preach to them a sermon. They just need to see you in the workplace, in your family. Hey, wow, what happened to you? What makes it so different? How do you seem so cheerful when your loved one is sick? When your loved one is going through a sickness? Why do you always have such a positive outlook and attitude at work when our boss is so unreasonable? Why do you want to talk bad about him? How are you so contented with where you're at? Why, why don't you know, get this thing or you know, get a car, get a condo, or get more possessions, more achievement, more money? Why you don't want? 
is there presented to you like why you don't want and when people see that hey it's not that I don't want it's like I'm, I'm satisfied with where God is in my life so don't be disturbed that if I said not to focus on people's sin if you share Jesus well through your life you will lead people to question their own lives what is it you have Benny that I don't have I want it. And this doesn't mean you need to be perfect. You just need to be real because people, right, they can, they can connect with you. Wow, wow bro, uh, uh, you, you are not trying to fake it. Eh. You're being so real about your struggle and yet you can respond this way. I want to know how you do it, man. Then you share Jesus. The third thing, is that don't focus on the church or church programs. Focus on Jesus Christ. See, I've been in TJ, like I said, approximately 23 years. Sometimes there are many of my friends in the chatting, they ask me, hey, what good church you go to? Everyone says, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, what church you go to? Or how big is your church? Oh, have you been to this church or that church? Wow, you know their church building very nice. Eh? Nothing wrong with that. Okay? But how come you've been there so long and you never try somewhere else? And my answer to them is always this. It's because this is where I met Jesus. This is where I was led to the full truth of who Jesus is. This is where my life was changed. See, it's not about some church name, building or size. It really is just about Jesus. If you find a church that preaches Jesus and accurately the truth of Jesus' word, that's all it matters. Just stay there. That's the reason why I'm still here in TJ. Not maybe because of any other thing. It's because Jesus is here. He is in the midst of us. David Bosch also said once, at its heart, the gospel is news about God's action and His reign, not His institution. See, many times when people hear, when we talk about our Christianity, the first thing that comes out if we talk about church, sometimes they get turned off by it. Because unfortunately, you know, not every church is the same. And sometimes they have this preconceived idea, church, then, oh, it's like that one, no? They just want your money, no? I mean, I'm just being honest. Why? Because my friends, when they find out I'm a Christian, the first thing they ever ask me, hey, why y'all must give? Ah? I heard, wow, how many percent? Ah? And they just boggle, why, why must you do that? And every time my answer is this, I don't have to try to defend, oh, my church is not the same. Oh, my church is the no, no, no. Oh, you know, actually, this is why God wants us to. I don't go into all that. I don't focus on church or the church program. You know what I do? I share about Jesus. Why? The same way. When someone asks me, hey, why you don't like to wear this certain colour of shirt? I don't have to dis- explain exactly why I don't. I just say my wife don't like law. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. Happy wife, happy life, right? But why is it whenever people question our faith? Hey, why you look this way? Why you don't do that? Why you don't go that place? Why you don't drink? Why you don't smoke? Why you don't watch this? And sometimes the, the immediate answer we have is, oh, because my church tell me no. There are times I'm guilty of that. Oh, because my church... Uh, they, 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 they say this law, that's their standard law. And talk about a turn off, people, oh, wow, so difficult. Ah. 
And maybe if that's always your answer, it's time to reflect. Eh? Then why you do it for what? When people ask, why do you do this? I remember my relatives would ask me, hey, why Charles, why you work in church? Get a proper job. Lah. I don't know how to explain to them, oh, the calling of God. They won't get it, right? Okay? So I say, you know what? Because it puts a smile on my God's face. That's why he asked me. I mean, it's the same way, right? When your parents ask you to do something, you do otherwise, they will be upset. But when you do what they ask you to do, they will be happy. Same thing with my God. Same thing as my Heavenly Father. The reason why I don't drink, the reason why I don't smoke, the reason why I choose to live this way, it's not because my church tells me not to do so. It's because I want to put a smile on my Saviour's face. Because I'm so in love with this Jesus, I want to do everything within my ability. Not that I get it right all the time, but I do everything that I know how to please Him. It's His preference. So I do it. Lor. Sometimes very hard to explain preference. Right? No logic one. Right? My wife don't like to eat ban mian. I can say, cannot. Lah. Wow, lah. You tell me you don't eat ban mian, but you eat mi hung kui. Don't make sense to me. She just say, it's my preference. Lah. I don't like mi pork. It's my preference. Lah. Same thing. When you want to, you are in a relationship with someone, you just want to please them. So instead of giving a long-winded speech on your church programs, or defending the actions of other Christians, try focusing on sharing how Jesus has changed your life. Then when you help them realise that it's a relationship, like, oh wow, that makes sense. Because when you talk about relationship, people get it. People can relate to that. Instead of going through a bunch of, oh, I, this is why they do it, this is why they don't do it. I want to share a story in closing. Um, some of you may know him. He was around in Singapore last year. Uh, Bupen. He was actually one of the students at PSB. And it was so amazing how he got connected to us. He was actually one of the students and he saw our group. Last time we could hang out, I miss those times. We were playing board games. And he was like, hey, well, he caught our, his attention. I said, hey, what's that? I said, can I play with you? And he joined us. And it's so amazing, you see. And I want to encourage you, church, that it's as simple as that. That the way you live, the way you live in your communities, in your care group, People will get drawn to it. Hey, wow, what are you all doing? Uh? Can I join you or not? Whether you go out for makan, you Peter talk about it when you organize makan or what. And people say, hey, I want to join. Come, uh, let's go. And slowly, he even initiated, hey, can I come for your church service? I didn't even have, we didn't even have to invite him. I'm so uh, proud of you know, Jonah. He's the one that connected with Bupen. I mean, some of you think Jonah is very quiet, right? Wow, wow, he actually brings a lot of people to come for church service, you know. Amazing. Why? You don't need to be the most eloquent speaker. You just need to live a life that people are drawn to. Amen. So he came to the church service, I still remember, last year, uh, early last year. It was his first time. And then in a Bible study, he got interested. He came into a UTB. And when he shared this, it moved me so much. He said that, you know, Charles, my parents and I, we've always been God-fearing people. He said, like, we don't deny the existence of God. We have tried our best, you know, his parents tried their best to be God-fearing, living a good life. You know, like they believe in karma, you do good, you get good, right? And he said, because we were talking about a lesson about Abraham and how that Abraham feared God. But we were giving him a different perspective that fearing God also comes with loving him. And he said, Charles, do you know that I never understood? I always know what it meant to fear God, but I never understood what it meant to love God or a God that was loving 
until I came into your church services. He said the first time he experienced the love of God was when he came to TJ. Through the worship, through the messages, through the people, he started to feel and experience what the love of God was after 27 years of his life. See, that's what it's all about, church. It's not about how good our programs are. It's about at the end of the day when people come into contact with us and they say, I've never experienced what the love of God is until I met you. And that's why he decided to come. That's why he decided to want to be in a Bible study. Even up to this day, he's back in India. He still wants to connect with us. Not because of how nice of a friend I am or what. It's because he felt the love of God. So, when people ask you, tell me, what do you know about Jesus? What are you going to say? What are you going to say to them? So I encourage you, instead of starting the whole dialogue about X238, not that it's not important, you know, don't just go straight to all oh, the, the, the memorized pay one, okay, this is what. Don't go into that. Just share Jesus. Share with them how it tasted like when you tasted the bread of life. Hey, wow, bro, shock eh. Oh, you should give it a try. Worth it eh. Nothing to lose. You see, I've tasted God's goodness for 23 years of my life. Every season of life, I talk about when I was a child, when I was a teenager, and when now when I'm grown up, as a, now I'm a father. I can remember through my struggles, through my insecurities, through my sickness and my failures of how good God has been. How He always remained faithful in the times where I was not faithful. When I turned my back on Him, He never once turned His back on me. But He always came chasing after me because He loved me. When He came through for my family and my loved ones, when He healed my mom from cancer, when He provided a roof over my family's head, I've tasted of God's goodness and so have you. And if you have never tasted of Him, today you have the opportunity to. It is an invitation that God is giving to you. Come, taste and see that I am good. Why don't we stand church? So even in, my, in the physical things of life, in the tangible things of life, I tasted God's goodness. In my emotions, in my thoughts, in, my, in, in the intangible things of life, in my soul, I've tasted the goodness of God. So whatever area of life you may be having today, if you may feel like, you know what, I just don't even have a desire at all. Could it be that is where God wants you to start? Some of us may say, well, you know, we may whine about where we are at. Wallahi, well, the situation I am, God good man, I'm in this problem man. Why I feel this way, so sien. And you know what? I want to help you have a different perspective. Don't miss the point here. Sometimes we see our problem and think that God is bad. But could it be that that is the reason and the catalyst by which we can taste God's goodness? You will never taste God's faithfulness and provision until you are in need. You will never taste God's goodness and His healing until you are sick. So instead of saying, God, I want to go over my problem, could it be He wants to take you through it? And so I want to encourage you, church, with all hands lifted. 
Jesus is inviting us today to taste and see of His goodness. Father, Lord, as we come into this place, Lord, as we are here, as we have heard Your Word, Lord, it's, it's so simple, God. It's just, we just need to taste and share, God, of Your goodness, God. And Father, today, God, as we have felt Your presence in this place, God, or we have heard Your Word speaking directly into our hearts, wherever we may be at today, God. And Father, Your invitation today is simple. You're saying, come and taste of me. And so, Father, we want to respond to you, Lord, today, God. That, Lord, even right now, Lord, is an opportunity for me to taste of your goodness, God. Father, Lord, I pray, God, that whatever, oh God, I may be weighing me down, God, whatever situation I may be in today, God, even though I may not see the end yet, God, even though I may not see the light at the end of the tunnel, but Lord, I pray that as you walk me through this valley of shadow of death, God, as you walk me through my struggle, as you walk me through my addiction, God, Lord, Haraka, you're not just wanting to leave me there, God, but you're wanting to take me through it, God. You're wanting to deliver me through it, God. And God, sometimes the long way is the longer path you want me to take, God. But Lord, in the midst of it, God, I will taste that you are good. I will be like David, God, that he tasted your goodness and that is why he could write that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. So Father, today, God, we want to experience you more than just reading from the book, God. We want to experience you more than just head knowledge about knowing all the facts about who this Jesus is, God. But Lord, today, I want my knowledge to become an experience, God, that I will taste it like me taking a bite into my food, God, that I can taste the goodness of it, God, so that when people begin to ask me, why are you so hopeful? Why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? I will tell them, because I've tasted the goodness of God. Because I've tasted the love of my Jesus. Because I've tasted the forgiveness of God in my life. And so, Father, today, God, as we respond, as we reach out to you, so church, why don't you respond to the Lord in your own special way this morning? In the name of Jesus, it's been, if it's been a long time since you spoke to God, now is your opportunity. If it's time for you, Haraka, to, to repent, whatever it takes, church, why don't you begin to respond to Him? Father, Lord, if it's been a while since I've spoken to you, God, it's been a while since I've tasted you, Lord. Lord, I want to first, Lord, ask, Lord, that you would forgive me, God, because many times I think I could figure out the solution myself. Many times I think I can figure out the best way out of my problems, God, or sometimes I get so offended with you because you never do it my way, God. But Lord Jesus, today, God, you are inviting me, Lord. You are renewing my mind, God. You are touching me, God. And Lord, as these noises of this world begin to fade away, God, Lord, I pray that you begin, oh God, to reach out to me. I pray that you begin to stir up in me a faith God. I pray that you begin to stir up that fire again within me, God. That desire, God, Lord, that I just want to taste you, God. That I just want to reach out to you in whatever means, Lord, it may be, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Church, right now, God, if there's someone on your left or right, a brother and sister, you know that is in need. Maybe we can reach out if it's appropriate to pray for one another, to minister, to allow the Lord to minister to us today. Father, God, as we are here gathered in your body, God, Lord, I recognize, God, that I may be, oh God, needing a touch from you. I may be struggling in my faith. But Jesus, as I reach out to you, God, with my hands lifted, God, I may not understand everything. 
I may not understand every detail, God, of why I'm going through what I'm going, God. Or maybe I'm still having a hard time understanding you, God. But Lord Jesus, I want to push that all aside. And I want just to be like that blind man today, God. One thing I know though That once I was blind And now I see Lord, I want to have that experience with you, God Lord, I don't want to live on my past experiences I don't want to live on the experience That was 20 years ago But I want a brand new experience today I want a brand new experience in 2021, God I don't have to wait Till something bad hits my life Then I turn to you, God but in the city, wherever I'm at today, God, you, you have called me. You have invited me, God, to taste of your goodness. You have invited me into your presence. You have given me the opportunity to know you, God, in a very special way, God. Lord, I pray, God, Jesus, for whatever needs there may be in this place, God, whether it's depression, whether it's sickness, whether it's a job, whether it's a need, oh God, that nobody knows, oh God, but you know, God. I pray, Jesus, that you will begin to touch our lives. I pray, Jesus, that you begin to release, oh God, experiences in our my brothers' and sisters' lives this week, God, that we will, through whatever the experience may be, that we will taste of your goodness, God. And when we have tasted of your goodness, Lord, when someone begins to ask us the question, the reason of our hope, why are we living this way? We can begin to tell them what we tasted. We can begin to share with them what we have experienced what we have encountered Lord in you God Harakaya Lord I don't want to just know it in my head I want to taste it I want to know it in my heart God Lord that is my desire today so I pray you begin to touch my brothers I pray whatever supplication we may bring up to you God that you begin to use it oh God for your glory God that you through it God through my life God that your works will be glorified God in the name of Jesus whether it's through my UTB students life whether it's through my family members life whether it's through my life God use it for your glory Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. And Father, I pray that you will continue to help us to be sensitive to the leading of your Spirit, God. That as we go back to our daily lives, God, Lord, that we will begin to make room, God, whether at the table, God, we will begin to live our lives to the best we know too, God, to live questionable lives, God. To not be afraid. To not be ashamed of this gospel. To not be ashamed of you, God. But Lord, that as we begin to make our lives, oh God, that light, that salt, God. That Lord, I pray that this week when people begin to question us, I come against every fear. I come against every anxiety. I come against every noise and voice to tell us you are not good enough. Lord, those are lies we rebuke in Jesus' name, God. But Lord, I ask for a bonus. I ask for such a confidence and assurance that, that as we begin to share you, Lord, that people will want to know more, that people will want to taste it just like we have tasted it, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Why don't we lift up a clap of praise once again because the Lord has been good to us. Amen, amen, amen. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you once again, church. We will see you next week back here um, and greet someone on your left and right and say it. Tell someone about Jesus this week. Amen.
Thank you, Church. Uh, you may pack your stuff, and uh, for Zone 1, you may...